I am Shelly McKnight. Happy Sunday. I'm going to turn this uh, down just a little bit so I don't... Uh... <laughs> well, I'm so glad that everybody came today. Um, sorry that Pastor Kevin isn't here. He is on a needed vacation. Uh, we're doing a new series. It is Start, Finish, and um, I get to start. It's not that easy to follow Pastor Kevin because Pastor Kevin has a cadence. He, uh, he always uh, basically preaches like four sermons every Sunday. You're not getting that for me. Praise God. You know, um, it's going to be more of a teaching. I've realized that as I've gotten older, I can't really remember things quite as well. Uh, I can't recall quite as well. And I used to be able to, like, teach off of an outline and fill in the gaps. Now I've got I to gotta write it all down now because it just isn't there. So I'll be doing a lot of reading today. But um, we're going to start. And, you know, I asked the Lord, where do you start? And he gave me the word seek. So we're going to start with uh, seeking. And when you want to seek something, whatever you're going to seek, I don't know what I'm doing wrong with the microphone. Eddie is on the way. Wait, I think I might have it. I don't know. Okay. But whenever you want to seek something, wherever you're going to start, um, you got to start with the goal. Okay. There you go. I don't know. All right. So um, you start with your goal. So what is your goal? And I realized that I want to live. And I think that's what we all want. Everybody wants that. You want to live. And you want to live. You want life. And you want life more abundantly. I want to live. I mean, I want to live. You know? Don't want to just go to work and go to Walmart and go home and go to work and go to Walmart and go home. There's got to be more to life than going to work, going to Walmart, and going home. I want to live. I want to live. That's the goal. I want to live. Just say it. I want to live. Now, sometimes you get discouraged and you don't think you could have the life you want. And that's when you hit despair and you've got that big old L on your forehead and you just feel like a loser and I've ruined my children, I've ruined my life, and there's just no point for me to be here. You know, and you just feel like, you know, God, just take me now. You know, I'm not doing anything, you know. But the truth is, I don't really, I don't want it to end. I want to live. I want to live. So you got to know, you know, you want to live. Um, but what is living? What is living? And you can see it up there. Is, is living success? Is it, is it uh, respect and dignity? Is it security? You know, knowing what you're doing, open doors. Is it health? Is it more of a peace of mind thing? Um, intimacy, connection, belonging with others, uh, energy, vitality. Is that what life is? I mean, how would you, how would you uh, define life? You know, we need to know this. How do you get life? You know, is it dieting? It's got to be vegan. I mean, if you want, if you want things in life, you, you got to stop eating meat and meat products. You know, good fats, bad fats. Is it diet? Is it working out? Got to do deadlifts. Got to have energy. You know, work hard. My father told me, uh, if you want to get a degree, it's doctor, lawyer, or engineer. All the other degrees are worthless. That's what he said. Doctor, lawyer, engineer. That's it. You want to make some money? That's what you got to be. I didn't become any of them. You know. But uh, is it hard work? Is that how you get life? Making money is really being an entrepreneur, doing your own thing. That's where the real money is, coming together, singing kumbaya. Politics, got to make a difference in the world. Where is life? How do you find it? How do you get it? Well, we have a verse for Christians, so we know. 
Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am life. And if you want life, what's the right answer? We all know the right answer to elevate Jesus. That's it. Jesus is life. So we need life. You know, there's that song, he's got the whole world in his hands. But if you change that, instead of saying he's got the whole world, say he's got my whole world. That puts it in perspective. He's got my whole world in his hands. My whole world. Everything I've ever wanted, everything I want to get, he's got my whole world in his hands. It's all about Jesus and seeking Jesus. So where do you start? We know where we're going. Whenever you start with anything, we start with an assessment. So the assessment is first. Upon reaching any situation, upon reaching any type of problem, you have to assess what you have. What do we have? You know, if you come to a messy house, somebody says, hey, come help me clean this house. The first thing you're going to do is going to walk through that house and say, how bad is it? You know, how bad is it? What do we really need to do here? You know, a political, I mean, uh, like a military situation, anything, any type of mess. Your kid gets uh, in trouble with the law, any type of a mess, any type of a situation. You have to assess what you have and what you don't have. You know, you got to assess the good, the bad, what do we need? We ma you have to make an assessment. Notice what is present. All right, so, uh, you know, um, yeah, you can't seem to make an objective, whatever it is. So we're going to go to the verse with Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It says, don't judge so that you won't be judged. For the way you judge others is how you will be judged. The measure with which you measure out will be used to measure you. Why do you see the splinter in your brother's eye but not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, when you have a log in your own eye, you hypocrite, first, take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly so that you can remove the splinter from your brother's eye. First thing, stop blaming others. Stop blaming others. Stop judging others. Stop looking at other people and think that if they got right and if they did right, my life would be better. Not true. Don't judge other people and their walk with the Lord. They're not your servant, they're the Lord's servant. Stop judging. First off, just stop judging. Look to yourself, fix yourself. Stop judging other people. And I, it's interesting because this is God talking to the people, the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus, the express image of God. What he's saying is eternal. And the first thing he's saying is stop judging other people. Stop judging other people because I'm not gonna, decide the degree of measure of judging you. You are deciding the degree of measuring you. So just don't do it. Just don't do it. All right? Uh, so don't judge. If you look at verse, verse 3, I thought this was just amazing. It says, why? Why do you see the splinter in your brother's eye and not the log in your eye? Why? I'm like, wow, why? Why? do you see the splinter? Why do you see the splinter in your brother's eye, but you can't see the log in your own? Again, this is God talking to the people. Why? Not how. How is it possible, but why? Like it's a decision. Why do you see the splinter in your brother's eye and not the log in your own? Because we don't like to see ourselves. We are the elephant in the room. 
I mean, how often have you gone and you could read other people, be like, you know, if she would just do that, she could get that straight. You know, he's got that problem. She thinks she's cute. She's not cute at all. You know, and you can judge, you can judge other people so easily, but it's so hard to see yourself. Every man is justified in his own eyes, so we all think that we're right. And to see yourself, you have to face the reality, the vulnerability that you might not be right. You know, and nobody wants to see that. You know, why? Why do you see the splinter in everybody's eye? But you cannot see the log in your own. And we have to think about that, because we have a log, and we have to find that log. And even in the next verse, he says, how can you say? Like, how, how do you even get those words out of your mouth? How can you say to somebody else, let me get the splinter out of your own eye, out of your eye, when you have a log <laughs> in your own? How, how do you even get those words out of your mouth? And this, again, this is Jesus saying this, talking to the people, talking to us. If, um, that log uh, out of your eye. So I... Um, Recently, I had like a situation in my life, and I just knew this other person was just dead wrong, you know, and I'm telling God. She did this, she did that, and I don't like this, and la, 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 and you know, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just done with this, da, 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 and I'm like having an attitude, and I'm, I'm telling God all about this other person, and when God talks to me, he always talks to me in this super gentle voice, like he's just sitting there having a cup of tea, just looking at me, and he goes, you're acting immature. I'm like, who's immature? I'm not being immature. She's wrong. I'm not being immature, you know? And he only said it once. It's not like he was beating me over the head. He just, you're acting immature. Like, I heard it. And I know it wasn't my thoughts, because I, I was thinking, I'm right, you know? You're acting immature. So this person confronted me and forced me to see the situation from a different angle. And I was like, I'm acting immature. <laughs> you know, I'm acting immature. But we have to see the log in our own eyes. We have to take that assessment and, and realize you're the elephant in the room. You know what I mean? So we need to look at that. So next, after you assess the situation, we go to the plan. So you have to um, identify the steps necessary to get to your goal. And this takes prioritization. And you have to understand value. That's just so important, to understand value. It's critical because you have to value what is valuable. Are you a son of Jacob or are you a son of Esau? We all know that Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. He didn't appropriate the correct amount of value that that birthright had. And you know, some people make decisions for right now and we're not seeing long term. You have to assess and appreciate value. It, it, it helps you with your prioritization. Okay, so next slide. Uh, Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 17 through 22. This is the rich young ruler. And as he was setting out on the, his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So we have to think about the word good. 
You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Um, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Again, this is God. Every word that he said has weight. So what did this young man want from Jesus? Now we know the story. I just read it to you. What did he really want from Jesus? Was he really seeking instruction for his life? Or was he seeking a pat on the back? I'm great. I did it right. I followed all the, all the uh, you know, I dotted all my I's, crossed all my T's. I'm awesome. I got a degree from FIU. I'm right, you know? Did he want acknowledgement for, did he just want to say, see everybody, I told you I was awesome. You know what I mean? Is that what he wanted or was he really seeking a plan? Was he really seeking God for the right reasons? Because he said, why do you call me good teacher? The only one that is good is God. And, and then, then he says later on, he just called him teacher. He dropped the good. So he was saying, you're just, you know, oh, all, I've done, all that I've done since I was young. So you have to think about that. And Jesus tested the value by asking that, you know, why do you call me good? Jesus was testing what he considered valuable. God's words are eternal. God's words have weight. And he's saying, are you coming to me as God that I can tell you what to do? Are you coming to me because I know what's right for you? You know, are you going to give my words the weight that it's supposed to have. He was testing this young man's, you know, value of what he, um, you know, of what Jesus was about to say. And then he identified the plan that God had for this young, man, this young man's life. Number one, there's nothing wrong with being young. Nothing wrong with being rich. Praise God. <laughs> nothing wrong with being a ruler. But this young man, God had a plan for him, and he had to give it up. He had to sell all that he, he, he owned to let go of it. God knew what he needed. He said he loved him, and he gave him the plan, and he only said it once. This young man walked away. Jesus didn't go, please, come back. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. you got to listen to me. Didn't happen. He said it once. The man walked away, God went the other way. You got to think about that. He said it once, he said it calmly. He loved him. This young man came to him, and he might have came in pretense. He might have wanted a pat on the back, but God gave him what he really needed. God loved him, and God gave him the plan, his plan for his life, and he walked away. You have to value the words of God when he gives them to you. He doesn't run after you and beg you to follow him. Nowhere in scripture will you find Jesus begging anyone to follow him at all. He says what he's saying and he moves on. And if you leave, 
Good riddance, you know? I have the words of life, and if you can't value what's valuable, I really can't do anything for you. Okay, so Jesus then invited him to follow not his own way, but God's way. He said, come, follow me. Find a different source. It's not about your education. It's not about your socioeconomic status, and it's definitely not about your plan. Follow me. Let me be your source. He invited him on that journey. And I thought about a lot of greats who had the whole uh, trajectory of their life changed. It wasn't their plan. In life, you know, I look at my life and I have said to God, you know, this isn't what I ordered, Lord. You know, like as a waiter, I didn't order this. Take this back. This isn't the life I ordered. When I was a kid, I, you know, I wanted... I didn't want this, you know? I never even planned on living in Florida, you know? And it was like, God, this is not what I ordered, you know? This is not the life that I wanted. This is not it. When I envisioned my life, this is not it. I mean, I've got some really good points in my life, but this wasn't my plan, you know? What happened to my plan? And I think about Moses. Moses had no choice of how he was born or who he was born to. He got raised in Pharaoh's house, had the best of education, Ivy League, if you will. And when he was feeling good and feeling strong, he decided to help his people out, killed some guy, he had to run out, and he had to run away. That wasn't his plan. He lived in the desert with people he didn't know. He wasn't around his family. He wasn't around his friends. He wasn't in his home country. He lived for 40 years being a shepherd. That was not his plan. When he was 80, God said, hey, got a job for you to do. Why you head on over there to Egypt? Remember that? Go back there. He's like, God, I'm old. I'm tired. I don't want to do it now. You know? It was not the timing. It was not his plan. It was not Moses' plan for his life. And then after he did it, you think he wanted to be in the desert for 40 years? Eating manna? I can't eat the same thing for one week. I'm like, get rid of these leftovers. Eating manna for 40 years. Do you think he wanted that? And then the people frustrated him so bad that he smote the rock instead of talking to the rock, and he couldn't even see the promised land. Is that his life? Was that what he ordered? That is not what he ordered. David, anointed king. At a very young age, he was out in the field. So he was probably playing around, not doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was not thinking about being king. He wasn't. But God said, king, right then and there, king. You know? Do you think he really, I mean, he fought Goliath, but it probably wasn't his plan. He wasn't planning on meeting the bear or the lion. Do you think he wanted to run his entire life? Because the king wants you dead, he wants your whole family dead. His whole family had to be on the wrong. Do you think he wanted that? Do you think he wanted to live in, a, in, in Ziklag and then have his own men want to kill him? And then when he did come back, it was only half the country and not the whole country. Do you think he wanted his son to run him out of his own castle? Do you think that was his plan for his life? Do you think that was his plan? But it was God's plan, and it was the right plan. Hosea, God told him to go marry a prostitute. Men, 
How many of y'all want to marry a prostitute and not know if your kid is your kid? That's what he had to do. That wasn't fun. I forgot to put Leah down here. You think Leah wanted to marry a guy that, that didn't want her? He wanted Rachel. He didn't want Leah. Her whole life, she wasn't wanted. Who wanted that? That was not her plan. But it was God's plan because she gave birth to Judah, and Judah is the ancestor of Christ. It was God's plan. God has a plan. And you have to let go of your plan. You have Jeremiah told the people over and over again. They wouldn't listen to him. Put him in stocks. Just a really sad life. Mary, blessed are you among women. You're going to have a child. I'll be like, praise God, not being married, huh? You know what they're going to say about me? Because nobody's going to believe that I'm a virgin and I'm pregnant. I just, nobody's going to believe that, like, ever. You think that was her plan? Did you think she was like, boy, oh, I hope this happens to me. I hope I'm the one. I, I don't think that was her plan, you know? John the Baptist lived his whole life in the wilderness wearing smelly camel's hair, eating nothing but locust and honey. Again, nothing but locust and honey. Never had locust and honey. Don't want to have it as long as he had it. Praise God. After he did his ministry, Jesus came on the scene. He said, I must decrease. He must increase. And he just, he just went down. Then he got arrested. Then some young girl shakes her groove thing, and he gets beheaded. That is not the life he ordered. I'm telling you. But it was God's plan. And what did Jesus say about John the Baptist? There is no other prophet greater than John the Baptist. That's what he said. There's no other prophet greater than John the Baptist. But he never said it to John. And maybe God's not saying it to you in your life. And you're wondering, this is not the life I ordered, God. But it's his plan for you. No greater prophet than John the Baptist. And even Peter, what did he say to Peter? When you were young, you went where you wanted to go. But when you're old, people are going to take you where you don't want to go. That was not what they ordered. It might not be their plan for their life, but it's God's plan. And we have to embrace God's plan for our life. We have to have the plan. We have to have the right plan. And it only comes from the Lord. All right. Feeling good? All right. So we have our assessment. We have our plan. Now you got to work on the pace. So... Once you have everything, we work on the pace, and it's time to cut ties with the old and embrace the new. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And we have to walk and to continue to walk in his will for your life. So this is Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And this is, uh, I have CBJ, uh, CJB, the complete Jewish Bible, just so you know the words are going to be... Uh, uh, Jew, um, you know, Hebrew. So after the death of, I'm going to say Moses, the servant of, of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Let's just stop right there. Moses is dead. This is God talking to Joshua. And there's something final. There's a finality in death. And God is telling Joshua, this chapter is over. 
This chapter is over. Stop looking for it. It's gone. Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, I know a lot of times we like to sugarcoat God like he's just, just cares so much about our feelings, but he's kind of direct. He just kind of says it like it is. He really does. Okay, so now he says, get up and cross over the Jordan. You and all the people to the land I am giving to them, the people of Israel, I am giving you every place you will step on with the side, I'm sorry, with the uh, sole of your foot, as I said to Moses, all the land from the desert to the Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and on to the great sea, the west, will be your territory. No one will be able to withstand you as long as you live. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will neither, uh, neither fail you nor abandon you. We have to understand that old ways, whether they're good or they're bad, because there was nothing wrong with Moses. Moses was perfect. You know, he followed God. He, he's the one. You know, you look at the first five books of the Bible. That all came through Moses. Moses was beautiful, but Moses was dead. And sometimes you have to let go of that old way. You have to let go of that old system. It's over. The chapter has ended. And we have to get rid of the old way, bad or good. We have to let go. We have to sever the ties. What you trusted in is gone. But then he tells Joshua to get up. Get up and cross over. Get up and cross over. The anointing that he had was upon him. He had the anointing right then and there. And he was saying, this chapter is over. Your anointing is with you. Get up. Cross over. I think about uh, Israel. And Israel, when he was uh, leaving his father-in-law and he was going to meet Esau, he was a little nervous about meeting old Esau, and he sent everything ahead, and he stayed all night, and he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And he changed his name. And in that moment, he became Israel. In that moment, when God said, your name is Israel, that's when the anointing came. Right then, if you have an anointing on your life, it is present right now. You don't need to change to have the anointing. I'm not saying you can't fine-tune it. I'm not saying you can't learn to do it better. But if you have the anointing, you are okay right now, wherever you are, because the anointing is upon you to do your call right now. Get up. Cross over. You have it right now in who you are. I often thought, like, with myself, it was like God gave me an anointing. He gave me a call, and one day I'm going to achieve it. One day when I get it right. One day when I have enough education. One day when I get enough experience. One day I'm going to reach where it is, and God's saying it's with you right now. With all of your faults, with all of your attitudes, with all of your problems, it's on you now. 
He changed his name to Israel right then and there. The anointing was on him right then and there. Get up. Cross over. I will be with you. Walk in it now. Don't wait to be perfect. Walk in it now. Amen. Yes, right. Woo! All right. All right. So let me see. And sometimes, you know, with Joshua, um, he went to I. When Joshua crossed over the Jordan, the first city they came to was Jericho. The walls came down, and they were excited. Now, they'd been in the, the desert for 40 years. And so they're like, is God really with us? Moses is dead. Is he really with Joshua? Is he really with us? Is he really, you know, going to be with us? And they, Jericho went down, and everything in Jericho was to be dedicated to God. So it means they were supposed to burn everything. Only a few things were supposed to go into the temple, but everything was supposed to be gone. Basically, it was God's. You burn it, you sacrifice it to God. So they came to the next city, which is Ai, Ai. And... Um, Joshua said, There's only, it's a small city, just send a, just send a smaller regiment, and they got their butts handed to them. And they immediately lost heart because they felt like God wasn't with them. What went wrong? God left us. You know, and all that doubt just came running in. And so in your walking, sometimes you have to reassess. And Joshua went to the Lord like, why did you leave us? He goes, I didn't. You left me. Somebody took some stuff. That was mine. And until you figure out who took that stuff and take care of it, it you know, you're not going to win any battles. He told them exactly what to do, exactly how to find the person, and exactly what to do with the person, and it came back. So sometimes on your journey, you hit problems. You just have to reassess. But God will be with you. Amen. All right. So after that, we come to the promise. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. God is seeking seekers. God is seeking seekers. And the thing I love about the Lord, when he walked on earth, he blessed everybody. You, of course, you're supposed to bring all your issues to God and all your you know, concerns to God. God is there to bless you. He would ask people, what do you want? Blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? I want to see. And he gave him sight. And I just feel like God is walking around and he blesses people, but he's looking for people that are looking for his heart. He's seeking seekers. He is seeking seekers of him. Seeking uh, people that will prioritize his heart, his desire, that will prioritize his honor, Give him adoration. Give him just praise. Just praise in his kingdom, his will, his righteousness, his plan for his life. He's looking for those who understand the value of seeking his presence, seeking his plan, seeking his words. He's looking. He's seeking for seekers. You know where you want to start? You want to start with seeking because he's seeking seekers. And if you, can, if you can understand and grasp the value of honoring God, grasp the value of worshiping God just for who he is, not necessarily for what he's going to do for you, even though he is going to do for you, but just the way that he is. All right, so 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7 through 12. In the night, God appeared to Solomon 
and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David my father and have made me king in his place. O oh Lord God, let your word to David my father be now fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people, for who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for possessions, for wealth, for honor, for the life of those that hate you and have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over which I have made you king, wisdom, knowledge granted to you. I will give you riches and possessions and honors such as none of the kings had who were before you. I will come after you. I'm sorry, there's, I can't see it. And shall, uh, you shall have the like. And the truth is we know. We know when people are honoring us and loving us, and we know when we're being used. <laughs> we know when people come up to us and they'll, they'll say nice things to you, but the reality is what do you want? What do you want, you know? You know when you're being used. You know when you're being used. You know when people are just coming to you because they want something from you. God does too. And we need to honor God because of who he is. You know, I heard it on the radio yesterday. The announcer said, we weren't called to a get uh, get out of hell free card. We were called to a relationship. We were called to a relationship. And just as you want to be honored and valued in a relationship, like somebody can come up to you and be like, thank you for just sitting here with me. And, and if that's all they say, you know they meant that. You know, just, just thank you for being here. You know, I really appreciate our friendship. You know, and it's, there's a way that you say things to people without any request, just honor. You know, I mean, you do need your friend's help. Something like, hey, I need some gas money, you know? <laughs> I, and I need it like right now. I forgot my wallet, you know? But there's a way to honor your friends and honor your loved ones and honor your family. And there's a way to honor God just to come to him and give him thanks. Take time just to, you know what? Today, I'm just going to thank you. I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm just going to thank you. I'm just going to praise you because you're awesome. I'm just going to praise you because you've been faithful. And, and, and you know, the, the Bible says to have a book of remembrance and to remember those times when you cried out, I need you, God, and I need you. It was like, right now. And boom, he was there. Thank him for that. Just, just thank him. Give him that. He is seeking seekers. He is seeking seekers. He's looking among his people. He will bless you. He will take care of you. He'll heal you everywhere he hurts. He can get you out of situations. But honor him. Take the opportunity to have that relationship. He's seeking seekers. That's where we start. All right. So, um, yeah, make sure you love him. So, you know, in conclusion, coming in the home stretch, 
See, I know they asked me if I needed a timer. I'm like, I don't need a timer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as long-winded as Pastor Kevin. Praise the Lord. But um, <laughs> um, we're going to make sure. So when you start with Jesus, he has life. He's got your whole world in his hand. He is life. He is life. Anything you want, everything you want, it's him. It's all him. Seek him, honor him, worship him, and all these things will be added unto you. All of it will be added unto you. Seek him. He's got your whole life in his hands. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So seek the Holy Spirit to find that log in your eye because the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it to you because you don't want to see it yourself. And, and God has to, God, the thing that, <laughs> you don't want to see it, but um. When you, when you look about, when you, when you see God in scripture and you see him, especially like in the Old Testament, he says, I'll bring the rain in its season and, and I'll rebuke the devourer. God shifts your whole life. It's like he moves things. You start to pray and things start to move. So if you want to see that log, he's going to shift things into position and you'll, you'll see it as you can handle it. You know, you'll, you'll have it in layers and you handle the first thing and you get to the core of, of what is the issue. If you seek God, he will move it. He'll move things into place. So you seek the Holy Spirit to get that log out of your eye. Seek God's plan for your life. you got to let go of whatever you thought your life was going to be and whatever you thought your plans were going to be and say, God, what do you have for me? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm going to make the best out of it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, do the best that I can. I'm going to accept the anointing. I'm going to do what you have for me and, you know, not try to have the life that I want or the life I thought I wanted or the life I thought I planned for, but have the life you have for me, you know, because we all want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear. That's, that's, that's it. <laughs> well done, thou good and faithful servant. Seek God's plan for your life. Start moving. And keep going in that plan. That's where you start. You start with seeking. Seek that out. Okay, so I do have one scripture. Because um, I asked the Lord, you know, you know uh, what scriptures to, to bring. And uh, he gave me this scripture. And he said, Moses on the mountain. I'm like, which mountain, Lord? You know, and he said the last mountain that he climbed before he died. <clears throat> um, and uh, hold on, because I can't see the screen so well. So um, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 4. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh. And the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south, the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and ja Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eye, but you shall not cross over. And when you think about Moses' life and all that he did and all the sacrifice that he did, it was like, God, you didn't let him go into the promised land? I mean, I know he smote the rock, but I mean, Moses was a good guy, you know? Why didn't you, you know, you couldn't make an exception for Moses? 
I mean, you know, let him in, but he represented God, and, and he had to speak to that rock, and he didn't. But God's, God showed me that he saw all the land. I don't care how good your eyesight is. I don't care what mountain you're on. There's no possible way he could have seen all that land. It was a supernatural experience. It was a miraculous experience. And I feel like God said to me, I took him away from what was stressing him. I took him away from the people. I took him up on the mountain and I took him in my arms and I embraced my friend Moses. And it was like a carriage or a limo or whatever. And I took him, just me and him. It was just me and him. And we went through the whole land supernaturally. I let him see all of the land to the Western Sea, which was the other side of the property. God took him up and loved him, just him. And that's what we want. God was so overjoyed with Moses. He was like, there was no way I wasn't going to let him at least see it. And I, I gave him up close and personal. I took him with the angels, and we just went on, you know, we went on the clouds, and we saw the whole land together, just me and him. And that's what we want. We want a relationship. That's where you start. You start with seeking and wanting that relationship, God wanting to be with you, God wanting to take you up and give you things supernaturally and expand your eyes and expand your heart. That's what we want. God is seeking seekers, people. God is seeking seekers. So that's it. So if you, I hope you got something out of, of all of this. If you did, let me know because it makes me feel good. Uh, but for the live stream, if you don't know the Lord, if you don't know the Lord, this is your chance. I don't know Kevin's prayer um, memorized, but if you, if you don't know the Lord today, just ask the Lord to come into your heart. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Fill me with your presence, Father God. I let go of all that I am, and I embrace all that you say that I am, and I embrace your life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, <laughs> we have prayer people available, so go ahead, and uh, we have a prayer team available, and I just want to bless you.